Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Thank you, team, so much. Well, good morning again, everybody. Glad that you're here with us here in person at Community of Hope. And for those of you online who may have joined in the middle of our worship and music, we're glad that you're with us here today as well. We are in week three of a series we're calling Deep Peace. We're trying to find calm in an age and in a world of anxiety. And we believe that God has come to meet us here with this. If you ask me one of the most compelling reasons why anybody would ever want to follow Jesus and, and this whole Christianity thing, anytime anybody ever would ever want to do that, follow that, I think one of the greatest benefits of following Jesus is what we're talking about today, is the deep peace that God offers people. So our theme verse here today as we're finishing passing the baskets for the offering comes from Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. We're going to put it on the screen. I want us to read it out loud all together. Even where you are online, go ahead and read this with us together. It says this here. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I absolutely Love that. It was great to be back here last week with everybody, to be back in the saddle preaching again, to be back at church after being gone a couple weeks with the birth of my baby. And uh, it's just been a great time. Some people keep asking, how's the baby? How's Leah? How's everything going? Everyone's doing great. One of the questions I get the most actually about um, life at home isn't about the baby, isn't about Leah, but it's about one of my other kids. See, I have a nine-year-old, I have a six-year-old, I have a two-year-old, and I have a newborn. We're stopping at four. No, I don't want a starting lineup for a basketball team. And they ask, here's the question I get a lot about one of my other kids. They ask me, how's your two-year-old handling having a baby come? How's the little one handling not being the baby anymore? Are they jealous? And let me tell you, my little girl, my two-year-old, Susanna, is an absolute maniac for her little brother. She is 0% jealous. The only thing she's jealous for is for him. And so here's one of my favorite pictures lately of Susanna and baby Asa. So look at that. Isn't that just adorable? She loves her little brother. He's sleeping better than her because she keeps getting up in the middle of the night to come say hi to him. It's just adorable. So I want to talk to you today about my daughter, Susanna. She's two, and she is just such a sweetheart of a little girl. She's one of the happiest parts of my life. I just love this child, this little girl. One of her favorite things in the whole world right now actually is Winnie the Pooh. Lives, breathes, eats, sleeps, Winnie the Pooh. Anybody else here love Pooh Bear? Great. You're never too old to stop being a kid and liking Pooh Bear, okay? Now, she loves Winnie the Pooh, watches it every single day. Now, she doesn't ask to watch the new Pooh stuff. No, no, no. She wants to watch the original 1960s, 1970s, the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh. She's a purist, baby. <laughs> And she will let you know if you turn on the wrong one. In fact, she loves Pooh Bear so much that she went as Winnie the Pooh for Halloween this year. So here's a cute picture of that. Look at that. She is just absolutely adorable, the cutest Pooh Bear in the whole world. Now, since um, I, I have given my life to studying the Bible 
and becoming, uh, a, as best as I can, a growing, um, I should never say, nobody becomes an expert in the Bible. The Bible becomes an expert in me. You know what I mean? Right? I don't own this book. This book reads me. Um, I've given my life to, to studying the Bible, but because of this stage of life that Susanna is in, I'm also an, an expert right now in Pooh Bear, okay? And here's something I've learned by watching Winnie the Pooh every single day for the last six months. Pooh gets stuck in a lot of things. Our, our chubby little tubby will stuff with Fluffy, right? Poor Pooh Bear gets stuck in um, honey trees. He gets stuck in honey pots. He gets stuck in rabbit's door. We've been fat shaming Pooh Bear for 50 years, everybody. <laughs> I mean, for real, the poor guy, it's just tough. And so this idea of being stuck is actually what I want to talk to you guys about today. See, I think a lot of people feel stuck in anxiety, they feel trapped like they can't get out. Like no matter how bad you want to, you're, you just can't. You get stuck. And this is what we're talking about today. You know, in our research as a teaching team, we looked up some of the most common searches in Google around this topic of fear, worry, anxiety. You know what some of the top things that people search on Google are? How to not be anxious. How to not have a panic attack how to not have social anxiety. See, regardless of where you come from, where your background is, whether you're a person of faith or not, or you used to be a person of faith and you're checking out again, wherever you're on the spiritual spectrum, on your spiritual journey, everyone does not, um, how should I say this? No matter where you are on your spectrum of your faith journey, no one likes being anxious. Everyone wants a way out, but people feel stuck being anxious. Yeah, like, I don't have to convince anybody, like, man, you really, you, you don't want to be anxious. And most of the people are like, yeah, I know, I don't want to. This feeling is awful. Most people don't want to feel anxious. I told you all last week, if you were here, I said worry is one of the only sins that nobody likes committing. And it's the same thing with anxiety. Nobody likes being stuck feeling anxious. And so what we're here to talk about today is how the God of the Bible has an answer and a promise for us. Let's talk a little bit more about anxiety. See, two weeks ago, Pastor Dale kicked off our series talking about the general idea of fear. Last week, I talked to you about the concept of worry, which is fear about the future. And what I'm talking to you about today is the experience of anxiety in the present. So remember what anxiety is and how that's different from necessarily fear is it's the over-vigilance and the hyper-anticipation of danger and a threat to maybe your body, maybe to your relationships, maybe to your security. The over-anticipation and hyper-vigilance of future threats. Now, there's nothing wrong with anticipating a future threat or maybe having proactive thinking, but it's the over-anticipation and the hyper-vigilance when normal healthy fear takes a left turn and begins to infect our every single day attitudes. There's a healthy fear that God gives people, like don't poke a bear, don't pick up a rattlesnake, don't wrestle an alligator unless you live in Loxahatchee and your friend dares you to. <laughs> right? Those are all healthy, normal, good fears. But when that fight or flight begins to infect our mind and thinking into all sorts of other parts of our life, when we have fight or flight about everyday things, that's anxiety. People experience anxiety in a lot of different ways. It manifests not only in your emotions, but it also manifests itself physically in you. For me, I get knots in my stomach when I get anxious. I know people who get knots in their back. 
when they get anxious. I know people whose jaws hurt when they get anxious. I know people who get migraines when they're anxious. Can anybody identify with any of these things? Yes. This is how anxiety manifests itself to us in a lot of different ways. You know, I was reading this week studying studies about anxiety um, that were saying how Americans are the most anxious they've been in over 80 years, which is incredible. Now, let me just pause here just for a minute and say here, Community of Hope, we believe that God is real, that his power is real, and that God heals, and that um, he heals even today. We believe that God heals. He can do it through the power of his Holy Spirit and miracles. I think God also likes doctors, and God also likes counselors, and God also likes medicine too. So if you're somebody who deeply struggles with anxiety, pray, do everything I'm telling you today, and maybe talk to a doctor too. God's in it all. Amen? Okay, great. Let's just take the weird spiritual stigma off of that. That's not what we're trying to do today. God uses all those things. You are a whole person of a body, mind, soul, and emotions. I'm here as a pastor. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a doctor. I can help you learn how to pray about your anxiety. You might need to talk to your doctor too about your anxiety. Capiche? Good? Great. Okay, so Americans are the most anxious they've been in 80 years. Did you know that? Now, it's not just because we had a pandemic last year and the dumpster fire known as 2020. It's not just because of that. It was a trajectory and a trend that's been growing in every single generation just last year, accelerated it even more. From boomers to Generation X to millennials to now Gen Z, Americans are becoming increasingly anxious more and more. Did you know last year Xanax sales doubled? Yeah. Something is afoot in our culture and in our nation. Now, a lot of people in the older generation might not understand why people in the younger generation are so anxious. It's easy for uh, a more, let me just say, I'll say more mature people in our congregation. It's easy for more mature people in our congregation to look down on younger people in our congregation and go, you bunch of snowflakes, why are you anxious about everything? Move out of your mom's basement and get a job. You know, it's, it's not always that easy. Why are Americans more anxious? Consider this for me just through the lens of compassion, okay? Um, Increasingly, over the past 80 years, the family has fallen apart now more than ever, and people don't have even a basic sense of stability in a family unit. That creates anxiety. Um, Because of the age of the internet and all that it has brought in, that that breeds all sorts of anxiety. Uh, Younger people, they're living on social media all the time. Can you imagine that your social life never turns off? That creates a lot of anxiety. I was the last generation to go through high school without social media. Facebook came of age when I was in college, when you couldn't get Facebook unless you had an at, or an at edu address or dot edu um, email address. It's crazy what that does. Uh, because of the internet, there's also all, all sorts of internet use. It used to be you'd read the newspaper, hear about, you'd read what would happen in the world. And then you would watch the evening news and you hear somebody talk about what happened on the other side of the world that was really awful and horrible. Now you can watch it live streamed, all the horrible, awful atrocities that are happening all over the globe and see it and experience it firsthand for yourself, the horrors that happen in the world. In one sense, we say ignorance is bliss. We're much less ignorant now. And our bliss has sifted through our fingers, and we now have more anxiety. Not only that, I, I think not only are we more aware of the danger that's out there, I do think that the world is just a little bit getting darker, and it's closer to home. I remember sitting on my bed in high school when I was 16 years old with my mom sitting next to me after school and tears streaming down my face, 
uh, watching the news coverage of the Columbine High School school shooting. I used to live in that community before my family moved to Tampa. And um, it hit close to home. And I remember thinking, things are never going to be the same again. And now, fast forward how many more years later, which is crazy to think, that was half my life ago. Oh my gosh, I'm getting old. We've lost count of how many shootings there's been. Sometimes they don't even get covered in the news anymore. That's horrible. When I was in school, we used to have fire drills and tornado drills. Now they have code red drills. At my kid's elementary school, I have a friend who goes there who has a son in kindergarten, and his son came home after the first week of school and said, Daddy, we had drills today. Oh, really? What drills did you do? We, we had the, the bad person drill. Oh, yeah, Daddy, my, my hiding place is under the sink. Kindergarten. Are Americans more anxious? Of course they're more anxious. Does that make sense? Of course they are. Of course they are. And those are just a few of the things that have led people to become more and more riddled with fear. And we need a way out. And we need something stronger than fear, stronger than anxiety. We need what the God of heaven promises. And he promises a way out into deep peace. And we're going to look at that today. Open up your Bible apps if you have them, or if your Bible if you brought it. You COH app, however you read the Bible, or you can just follow along on the screen. We're going to read from a letter in the New Testament called Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And the Apostle Paul writes this. He says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, we worship you, the God of peace. Jesus, we worship you, the Son of God, the Prince of peace. Holy Spirit, we worship you, the living Spirit of peace. Lord, take our anxiousness today and heal it. Minister to it. Send angels to care for it. And walk people into your deep peace today by your great power. Come, Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, so what we just read was written, like I said, by the Apostle Paul. It was written to Christians living in the city of Philippi in the year 62 A.D., Paul wrote this while imprisoned in Rome, waiting for his execution and his death. And the primary theme of this letter is encouragement, which is crazy. Like, you're in prison, you're about to be executed. Paul's writing encouraging notes. Wow. Wow. Now, this passage is what I consider to be the most iconic passage, at least for me, about peace in all of the Bible. It's my favorite one because of how, first, it describes the peace 
that we're talking about today. He says in verse 7, we're going to put it back on the screen. He says here, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that phrase. If you're taking notes, if you have your Bible or writing anything on your phone or paper or anything, whatever, underline this phrase. Peace that transcends all understanding. Peace that transcends all understanding. See, what I love about the Apostle Paul what I love about him is that he doesn't talk about Christianity as an intellectual, philosophical exercise. Do you believe this? Yes. Do you believe this? Yes. Do you believe this? Yes. Well, guess what? You are in. You are now a Christian. I mean, that's part of it. That's true. Belief, faith, doctrine, all matter. Don't hear me that I'm devaluing those things. It's just so much more than those things. That's the entrance way. What Christianity is really about is experience. It ultimately has to lead there. In another place in Scripture, Paul talks about the love of Jesus. And he prays, I pray that you would have power to know this love beyond knowledge. This love that surpasses knowledge. He's praying that to know the love of Jesus, he's praying that the Holy Spirit help people take this intellectual concept of the love of Jesus and then it would take the 18-inch journey from their brains and drop into their hearts to explode into a living flame of love, of experience. Where people can say, Jesus loves me this, I know because the Bible tells me so, which is true and very good, so that they can then say, Jesus, told me, Jesus loves me this, I know because he told me so himself. And I felt it. Any of you want to feel God? This is what he's offering here. There's love, knowing love beyond knowledge. But in here he says that you can experience peace that transcends understanding. Peace that goes way above and beyond human comprehension. It's literally what Paul is trying to say here. If I were to call myself a biblical translator, we have the TIV, the Trevor International Version. God help us all. <laughs> the TIV was this. There is peace that will blow your mind. It's literally what it's saying, that it transcends understanding. God has peace that will blow your mind. We're not talking, this Hallmark card was nice and I feel peace. I smell potpourri, peace. <laughs> Lavender, ah, peace. Breathing exercise, tranquility, peace. No. The peace of Jesus is overwhelming. If you've ever experienced it, you know it hits you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. It covers your mind. It covers your heart. And it goes to a point where I'm in the middle of a really difficult thing right now, and I should not feel peaceful. And yet here I am. It transcends understanding. Some of you came in here today hungry for something other than your anxiety, something different, and you want a way out. There's lots of other things that are good to try. There are a lot of bad things to try. But let me tell you, what your heart is hungry and thirsty for is the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And Paul tells us in this passage, the Lord is near. Jesus is here in this room and with you online. And he's come close to be with you and to give you peace if you'll let him.
I know as a satisfied customer. In my brokenness, I struggle with anxiety. I'm not everybody does. Personalities are different. I do. When something happens at home, my wife and I are very different. One's not better than the other. We're just different. When something happens, my wife gets angry. When something happens, I get anxious. It's just different. And I'm here to tell you somebody who, like, God didn't make me anxious. The world made me anxious. Can we all just acknowledge that? As somebody who has been broken by the world and the way that brokenness has resulted is in fear and anxiety and worry, I'm here to tell you today as a satisfied customer, Jesus has never withheld his peace from me, never, not once. The only time when I haven't experienced it is when I failed to tap into it myself. And when I finally got my head screwed on straight, I went to him and he's always, always met me. This is a promise in the Bible. I'm here as one beggar telling other beggars where there's bread. So here's God's way out of anxiety. I'm here to tell you what I've learned and experienced for myself. It's four words. Everyone say these four words with me. We're going to put them on the screen. Look. Come on now. Drink some coffee. Say it with me. Look. Replace. Tell. Guard. God's way out of anxiety. First one is look for the good. Look for the good. Paul starts with this passage With these words here, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. It's like, do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? I will say it again. Rejoice. But Paul, really? That's hard. I will say it again. But Paul, I had a bad day at work. I'm in prison about to die. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Always? Yes, always. He said, choose to be grateful. You can choose to be positive. You can choose Thanksgiving in any and every situation. This isn't putting lipstick on a pig, okay? This is a deep spiritual truth. This is not uh, like cat posters with a cat hanging on stuff. Like, just hang in there. That's pithy stuff. This is deep stuff. This is deep stuff. This is the Apostle Paul who in another part in his life when he was in another prison for causing all sorts of holy mischief and he was in prison in chains and he and his friend Silas at midnight started worshiping God and singing songs to him in prison. Do you know what happened? Scripture tells us as they're worshiping God and rejoicing in him and looking for the good, worshiping God in the middle of their darkness, in the middle of their pain, in the middle of their prison, and an earthquake literally shakes the prison. Their chains fall off. The doors fling open. It's an incredible story of how they ministered to guard and saved him and his whole family, baptized them, and then they got free. It's incredible. But here's the point. Some of you today, in your anxiety, you feel trapped. And for some of you, this one step will be all that you need to learn to worship God and rejoice in him always can shake your prison doors free. And it will break chains. Paul has moral authority here to tell us, rejoice in the Lord always. It's learning to look around you in any situation for what is good and turning it into gratitude. See, later on in this passage, he talks a lot about prayer, and we're going to get there in a minute. And what he's trying to say is when you pray about what you're anxious about, make sure to have thanksgiving for what is good. Many people I know who have tried to access the peace of God pray a lot, they pray a lot, they read the Bible, they do everything but look for the good and thank God for what's going on in their life. I'm like, well, this whole thing is a crock. It's not. You're just forgetting the first part. 
have to learn to look for the good. Life is always full of both good and bad. I have this quote I've been using lately. People think it's mine. It's not. I stole it. So here's the quote from, uh, from an author, um, Tommy Newberry. And he says this, I have hundreds of problems, but I got millions of blessings. Life at any one given time is full of good and bad all at the same time. Life is messy. On this side of heaven and in a fallen world, life is messy. There's good and bad all at the exact same time. If you're waiting for the good to way, 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 way outweigh the bad, to choose to be grateful, to rejoice in God, to say thank you to God, if you're waiting, you're going to be waiting forever. You will end up becoming a pessimistic person, a negative person, and an anxious person. But instead, we say first, you have to look for the good, rejoice in God, and change your attitude and choose to be a person of joy. I've got hundreds of problems. It's not like I ain't got stuff going on in my life. I got hundreds of problems. I just have millions of blessings instead. So here's what this is your step. Try this. Open up your journal each morning. And this is what I've been doing lately. It's really, really helped me. I make a list. It's this. It's not super spiritual. I do it over cereal, okay? I make a list. I go, five things are going right in my life. And I put those on there. I say thank you to God for them. My anxiety has been cut in half. You should try it too. Try that. So he says, look. But then here's the next one. Replace. Replace anxious thinking with prayer. Replace anxious thinking with prayer. He says in Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. I mean, come on. Come on, Paul. I mean, about most things, right? No, about anything. Feels very not helpful. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Wow. Now, you may not realize it, but anxiety is like having a conversation with yourself about what could go wrong. It's an internal dialogue that you're having with yourself. Now, when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, a lot of us will hear that and go, it's like he's saying to us, stop it. And a lot of us look back at Paul and go, I would if I could, but I can't. My brother, when we were growing up, my brother made all the mistakes as an older brother that I learned from how not to be stupid with some things. Any other younger siblings in here can you give me a high five? Yep, learn from the mistakes of our older siblings. My older brother and his friends would mess around with their bikes a lot, and they would take them apart and put them back together. Well, one time they are doing with all the bikes, and they forgot to reattach my brother's brakes to his bike. And they decided to play a game of ride full speed at the Johnston's garage door and uh, screech your tire right before you get there. First kid does it. Uh, oh, that's cool. Second kid does it. Rides. Uh, does it. Wow. My older brother, Graham, rides. Uh, Graham, stop. I can't. Bam. It's like a Bugs Bunny outline on our garage door. Growing up where my brother ran into it, stop, I can't. That's what anxiety feels like. However, however, what Paul's saying here, he's not saying just knock it off and stop it. He's saying pray instead. This is so simple, it's easy to miss. Hear me. Instead of talking to yourself about all the things you're anxious about, add somebody into the conversation. And instead, talk to God about it. It's not stopping anxious about it. Just change who you're talking to about it. Add a conversation partner. Do you hear that? Instead of just obsessively worrying about something internally, 
Add God in, like adding a phone call on your iPhone. Include God into it because he cares about you. 1 Peter 5.7 says this, Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Hear me loud and clear. Look right, everyone look right here. Jesus wants your crud. He wants all the junk going on in your heart and in your life. He's not inconvenienced by it. He loves you and cares about you with an undying love. Give it to him. Martin Luther says this, great reformer, pray and let God worry. Somebody needs to worry about this, but it's not you. Cast all your anxiety on him means I'm not just going to complain to God about it. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. So maybe this is you. Maybe some of you need to try this. When you pray, don't just keep it all internal. Either pray out loud, get it out of your head, by yourself somewhere. It might be weird if you did this at Starbucks with earbuds. Or write it out. Whatever you just get it out of your head, however you get it out, and talk to God about what you're worried about. So look for the good. Replace anxious thinking with prayer. Here's the next one. Tell God what you want. Tell God what you want. Philippians 4, 6 again. So in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, this is interesting. When I first learned this point here for me as an anxious person, this was the point that set my heart free. I prayed a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I had taught, replaced a lot of my anxious thinking with prayer. And I was telling God all the time about the thing I was nervous about. And I was trying to give it to him, trying to give it to him, trying to give it to him. The only problem was I was only telling him what I didn't want to happen. And I was spending no time telling him what I did want to have happen. Does that make sense? Oftentimes when I meet with people, especially if they're newer in faith, I'm like, how can I pray for you? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, let's pretend we had a big red button here. Remember those easy buttons from Staples? Like, that was easy. I'm like, let's pretend we have a big red button here in my office. And that if we pushed it, we could ask God to do anything and he would do it. And I think a lot of people don't know how to do that, especially anxious people. If you're not an anxious person, you're fine with giving God orders. You need to learn some other things about prayer. Anxious people don't know how to tell God what we want. They all of a sudden turn into Miss America. Um, I pray for world peace. Uh, No. Because God loves you, he just doesn't want you to give to him what you're afraid of happening, what you don't want to have happen. He wants you to tell him what you want to have happen. Prayers are like green lights, yellow lights, red lights. Green light is God answers it every time, and that's the majority of prayers. Some prayer is yellow light. The answer is yes, but you have to wait. And sometimes prayer is a red light, no. Sometimes. And prayer is not... Like we said, a genie in the bottle where you rub a lamp, you get three wishes. That's not what we're saying. God's better than that. He wants to do measurably more than you can ask or imagine. My whole point about it is this. I think a lot of anxious people never even push the button, and they leave a bunch of green light prayers on the field because they never even ask. Instead of telling God what you're anxious about work and with your boss, 
Tell God how you want your boss to see you. Tell God how you want him to defend your reputation amongst your friends. Tell God how you want the doctor's report to turn out instead of not only just how you're afraid it's going to turn out. Tell God what you want to have happen in your business, not just what you're afraid of happening in your business, in your family, in your life, and so on and so on. You need to tell God what you want. He loves you. He wants to hear it. And a lot of times anxious people feel like victims and that they feel powerless, but this puts power back in our hands because we worship the God who has limitless power. So tell God what you want. Here's the last one. Guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. Philippians 4, 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What he's really saying here is we need to learn to think different thoughts than the type of thoughts that lead us to be anxious. I grew up, uh, many of you have heard about this, I grew up in the Tampa Bay area right when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went from being the Yuccaneers to being Super Bowl champs under Tony Dungy. And we had this phrase before Tom Brady came to town in Tampa. We say, defense wins championships, baby. And I'm here to tell you today, defense will keep your peace. The first three things we have talked about will get you out of anxiety. This one will keep you out is to learn how to think different thoughts. Now, instead, just, well, think about happy things and positive things and quit thinking about things that make you anxious. Just stop it. It's not that. Paul gives an illustration elsewhere than what you say I think is going to be helpful as we close out. He gives an illustration elsewhere about a flaming arrow. We're going to put up a picture here. Now, the first time I saw a flaming arrow was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner. Remember that one where halfway through the movie he forgot to have a British accent? Remember that? <laughs> It was super cool, though. Well, the point of a flaming arrow isn't to just wound somebody. It's to set something on fire. And what the Apostle Paul tells us in other places in the New Testament is this is a perfect metaphor for how spiritual forces of darkness work in your life and in my life to rob us of our peace and to make us anxious. You ever been sitting around and you finally got into peace Then five minutes later another anxious thought pops in your head? And just one thought, one what if, one curious thought about what somebody else is thinking or doing or what's going to happen about this, and next thing you know, 20 minutes later, you've been having an anxious fantasy about the future. Has anybody else ever lost time like that? That's a flaming arrow. It's like one little thought gets dropped into your mind, and all of a sudden your whole mind is on fire, and all of a sudden you've lost your peace. And so here's how you think about what is true, noble, good, lovely, admirable. The next time you have an anxious thought pop in your head, don't let it light your whole mind on fire. Just take a minute to cross-examine your thought and go, is this even true? You just catch that arrow first and go, where did this thought come from? Is this about something I can even control? Is this even going to happen? Hmm. Where did this come from? Is this true, noble, lovely, pure, admirable? Does this have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness? Oh, no, it doesn't. Then what you do is you take that arrow, you break it in half, you hand it back to the devil, and you say, not today, Satan, you can't have my peace. 
You guard your thoughts. Okay, so look, replace, tell, guard. This is God's way out of peace. And he promises us, if we do those things, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in him. In just a moment, the band's going to come on out. We're going to worship. It would be horrible if we just said, let's just sing a song and go home. It's time to do business with God. The God of peace is here in this room, and he oh so desperately wants to give you peace today before you walk out. And so they're coming on up. We're going to pray in just a minute. When we're playing here, feel free to stay in your seat and pray. Feel free to stand and pray. Feel free. We're going to open up the altar. Come give Jesus what you're anxious about. He wants your crud. Give it to him. Let's do business with God. Would you pray? Will you bow your heads with me? Now, we don't do this often at Community of Hope, but I felt a prompting about this. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's God. I'm 51% sure it's God. And I want you, if you know every head bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking. If you're struggling with anxiety today, would you be willing to raise your hand? And I want to pray for you. If you're struggling with any type of worry, any type of fear, any type of anxiety, let me pray for you. Keep your hand up. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd see these hands raised, and even the ones that didn't want to but are anxious. And Lord, I can't see those who have their hands raised online, but you can. I pray you'd send angels right now to minister to these people. I pray you break chains of anxiety. Lord, would you rebuke the enemy for how he has come to rob us of our peace and instill fear? Jesus, with your perfect love, cast out all fear, all anxiety, all worry, and bring deep peace. I pray for every hand raised that you would bring a cup of living water that people would drink from right now that would refresh their souls. We look to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.